who aced free agency? And yes, I sort of meant the pun there, but not really. And who has elected to use their pass-fail option? The athletic Sabrina Merchant is here to duel out some WNBA free agency grades. The Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast starts right now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and welcome. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts. I cover the New York Liberty at the next. I help with the social media and engagement strategy at the next. And I've covered women's basketball nationally at other places like Bleacher Report, W Slam, Sports Illustrated, and other places. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. Also, if you subscribe to us, you can get 50% off our partner site, The Equalizer, which covers women's soccer every day. And if you become a paid subscriber of the next right now, you can get 23% off our usual price. Why 23% off, do you ask? It's in honor of this crazy WNBA free agency period that now has become a fixture in the women's pro basketball calendar. A reminder, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. During the last time you and I were together, listener, I had James K. on. And we looked at W Free Agency as a high-stakes poker game. It was January 25th, and that was way before February 1st, the big old signing day that was full and chock-full of high drama. And something that James and I discussed was we were trying to break down which franchises were the ones who were raising the stakes across the league. I know, again, it's another Aces pun. And which teams were ones that maybe had to fold? And I don't mean in the literal sense. WNBA teams are not folding. But I mean like in a poker game where you realize, hmm, your hand isn't good enough. So I need to leave the poker table. But anyway, so what is on the docket for Sabrina and me today? Well, first of all, she's done an excellent piece at The Athletic all about free agency winners and losers, which you all should check out right now. It was a delightful read. I It made me giggle on my train to Barclays Center this morning. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to take it even further. Beyond winners and losers, we are going to be giving grades to all of the teams in the league. 
I once dealt actually with a teacher in middle school who placed the red stamp that said unacceptable redo on a work cited for a history paper. We won't be that harsh, I promise, but we won't not be critical. So we've divided the league into three groups and we're going to talk about them alphabetically. Um, and we're going to begin actually with the the top of the WNBA location alphabet with the Atlanta dream. But I think we should begin to talk about the latest trade that we've seen with the dream and the Connecticut sun. But Sabrina, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, WNBA free agency is one of the premier times of the calendar now. So this is just great stuff to talk about. Hell yeah. So let's begin with this trade that was reported this afternoon by Rachel Galligan. And so the Connecticut Sun, they traded, um, or actually the Atlanta Dream, they traded Tiffany Hayes and they, they had her rights to the Connecticut Sun for the Dream's number six overall pick in the, um, did I say that properly? I don't think so. So yeah, they traded it for the number six pick, which Connecticut currently owns, but originally belonged to the New York Liberty from the John Quill Jones trade. You are correct. Mm -hmm. So since I cannot speak today, why don't you start with how that trade impacts the grades you gave to both the Atlanta Dream and the Connecticut Sun? What's funny is I had a little placeholder in my Atlanta section for what happens with Tip Hayes, because it's very clear that Atlanta is trying to hand the reins over to Ari McDonald. That's why they didn't bring back Erica Wheeler. Danielle Robinson very much seems like a veteran mentor kind of player in that Atlanta backcourt. And I think McDonald, Howard, Gray, that's a delightful perimeter. It's really, really going to be defensively entertaining as hell. And I'm, I'm interested to see the fit offensively, but to start off, you know, uh, it's Nisha Wright defense. It's, it's going to look tremendous, but that means there wasn't really room for Tiffany Hayes in the starting lineup. And I think that this is actually a really good asset play for them because in that number six range, you might be able to get a, a big to throw in, you know, in terms of your future prospects. Like I know Atlanta obviously really likes Nas Hillman. I've been thinking kind of Rakia Jackson there potentially if she falls to number six, who knows, but I do think it's just good value to, you know, take a player who probably didn't have much of an immediate future in Atlanta, give her a spot in Connecticut where, she might be starting for the sun, you know, depending on how that whole Ty Harris, Natisha Heideman backcourt trio works itself out. I would imagine you'd want to start Tiffany Hayes. She's awesome. She just gets to the room no matter what defense you throw in front of her. So I like the fit for her in Connecticut. I like the fact that Atlanta was able to recoup one of those first round picks. They traded for Alicia Gray, you know, only moving two spots down eventually in the draft because they surrendered that number four pick to Dallas earlier. So I think it's just really good business for both sides. I mean, I ended up moving my grades up for both teams as a result of the trade. Which are... Oh, you want me to give the grade right now? Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. We're, we're yeah, so done. I actually have a B plus for Atlanta right now. Um, I really like the Atlanta, uh, the Alicia Gray trade. I think, you know, I've been very high on Alicia Gray for a long time. I voted her as an all-star starter last year, and she didn't even make the team. Um, but big, big Alicia Gray fan. I think uh, it was a little strange that Atlanta kind of sat out the rest of free agency in terms of, you know, going after another big fish to pair 
with Alicia Gray. I wonder if they tried to get in those conversations for like an Asbury Stevens or someone of the sort. But uh, I like that move. I was confused by the Christy Wallace trade. Honestly, I liked her quite a bit in Atlanta. But, you know, they have a different direction with their perimeter. Uh, a little confused by the uh, Maya Caldwell departure. You know, I thought she did some nice things down the stretch of the dream. So just dinged a little bit for those two. But overall, I like the overall direction that they're going as a franchise. And they got the big thing right, which is they traded for Alicia Gray. And I think she's going to make a lot of sense in Atlanta going forward. So I will tell you, I had the same exact grade for the Atlanta dream. And I agree with so much of what you're saying. Although I just think with Maya Caldwell, Christy Sides knew that she mm-hmm. moved her back. I mean, you see a lot of like Atlanta to fever type things. The pipeline is real, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I mean, and I think it's really clear that Christy Sides really wanted someone like Christy Wallace. Oh, they're two Christies. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the the D-Rob trade was excellent for Atlanta because what it does is it gives you a point guard that is okay with not scoring all the time, a little bit more pass first. And so when you pair that with Ryan Howard, I think it just makes her look better. Um, Dan Padover and Tanisha Wright, they have long, or I think I'm trying to remember, they've worked with Danielle Robinson over the years. I think they were with her on the Aces, I think in the Wubble. And Padover so they, definitely was. I can't remember if Wright was, but yeah, definitely Padover. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of trust in her. That's sort of what I saw. I think the Alicia Gray trade is, I think it's a foreshadowing move. It's basically telling us that in maybe a year down the line, maybe two, the Atlanta Dream are going to be big players when it comes to free agency. I think the fact that they were able to land Alicia Gray, I mean, amid the fact that the Dream are very close to where she's from, I think it stands out that they were able to land her. And I know there were other teams that were very interested in her that did not get her. So I couldn't agree more. B plus there. I also think the dream are, they're being conservative when it comes to how they're building their team. And I see no issue with that. I mean, there was a lot of talk. I think it was during the dreams presser, which I couldn't make, but I saw some of the quotes from that. And there was, there was talk about the super teams and Dan Padover was like, well, we're taking this very conservative approach because we're still building People took that as he was being critical of the Aces and the Liberty, but I don't think that's what it was at all. I think he was just acknowledging like, hey, the Aces and the Liberty are in a different place when it comes to the franchise trajectory than we are right now. And so to do this the right way, we have to be, we have a certain spot where we have to be right now. So that was how I saw it. So what's your grade for Connecticut? Oh, so we're going a little out of order. Okay. Um, Connecticut, I ended up giving a D plus. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's make this clear, okay? I'm not in the business of great inflation here, okay? A C is an average offseason, all right? D plus is a little bit below average because, one, I didn't think they got good enough value out of the John Quill Jones trade. All due respect, Rebecca Allen, Ty Harris, you know, 
And now Tiffany Hayes, who is essentially the third piece of that trade. Jonquil Jones is a former MVP. There should have been more out of that. Um, I'm surprised that if they looped in Dallas, they weren't able to get Kayla Thornton, quite honestly. But uh, just not terribly pleased with the outcome of that deal. Uh, I thought they got pleased in the Jasmine Thomas trade, honestly, to have to give up a point guard. I mean, the first round pick with that point guard in order to bring back, you know, Olivia Nelson, Adota, Jasmine Walker, and Keanu Smith. Uh, Didn't think too much of that. Um, I really like the Heidemann signing, honestly. That's probably my favorite part of their offseason to date. Really, really pleased with that. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, I didn't think that they did very well on either of those trades. And when that's the biggest part of your offseason, that's where we land. That's very fair. It makes me feel like I'm being too kind to the (laughs) Connecticut Sun. So I initially gave them a C before Tiffany Hayes, and then I upgraded them to a B. I think Tiffany Hayes fits the type of basketball they want to play. And or well, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. But based on what we've heard, uh, something that has a little bit more pace and shot creation from the backcourt. When you think about shot creation from the backcourt, I can't think of someone better to insert. I mean, also, you have to think about the familiarity piece of it. Darius Taylor comes from Atlanta. Not only was he a GM there. But he coached Tiffany Hayes. He did. He was a part of that coaching staff, even going back to the Nikki Collin days. So this makes a lot of sense to me. It also, it shows me that they are, they realize that their roster does not look great right now. I've heard that they are not done. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And I happen to believe that The reason why they've been a little bit slow is because they're trying to work things out with teams who maybe, or a team that didn't really come to the proverbial poker table. I'm talking about the Phoenix Mercury because the Phoenix Mercury were undergoing a ownership change. And so their general manager, Jim Pittman, I believe was the point person on all of this. So when you're the point person on an ownership change, uh, I do not know what that bandwidth looks like to be able to be really seriously engaging with other teams. So, and as we know, Skylar Diggins-Smith is sort of an elephant in the room in Phoenix. I... The one and only Howard Megdahl has said, I will eat a hat if Skylar Diggins-Smith is not traded. Um, he is very confident that she will be based on what went on in 2022. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's partially why we've seen this delay with them. And I guess maybe I'm I'm giving them a bit of a, a higher ceiling with, with giving them a B. I think I'm also considering the fact that they are doing this. They are keeping in mind, they're keeping the salary cap in mind a little bit more than in the Kurt Miller era. And what I mean by that is Bree Jones has not officially signed her deal. Mm-hmm. Um, she was cored by the sun when a lot of this began. I mean, that's the reason why they traded JJ because they wanted, well, JJ well, they traded her at the time, you know, to get that core designation on Bree Jones. Yeah. Um, but I mean, 
the reason that we've, we're at a standstill with Bree Jones, we don't know what's going on, is because Connecticut has other moves that they need to complete in order to figure out, okay, how can we make sure that we're giving Bree Jones the amount that she deserves and an amount that fits under the salary cap. I mean, mm-hmm. Kurt Miller did amazing things in Connecticut. He did, but I really think part of his downfall was the fact that he was wearing two hats and his management of the salary cap. I mean, might've lost them a couple of championships. You got John Quill Jones on a good deal though. And we can say that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is true. But for one year only for one year, she's on a two year contract, right? That's why there's a year left for, the New York to acquire, right? Yes, but apparently, and based on what JJ said during that presser, the idea was she was going to do what one... happens this year, and then yeah, and she wanted Connecticut to get something back. That mm-hmm. was sort of, I think, that was really the idea. It was okay. We're going to do two years so that Connecticut can get something back. I mean, they didn't get much. Um, thus but, the D plus <laughs> right right I mean their hand was really forced their hand was really forced and, and I'm a little confused also with the the Jasmine Thomas trade I mean it, it was it was there something else besides just clearing cap space is there not a lot of confidence that she'll be healthy I just, I have a lot of questions about that trade, but I guess I'm thinking that they're making room for something, which is why I think they're going to be players in the Skylar Diggins-Smith sweepstakes. I would be happy to change my grade, but for now. (laughs) That's why I give them a B. Um, So, okay, we have dealt with our two trade teams within this group. I know we went, I went a little bit out of order, but I thought it made sense to sort of group them together. Mm -hmm. Hi, hello. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get your paid winnings instantly. There's a really exciting SEC matchup this Sunday. Kim Mulkey and Angel Reese's number three ranked LSU Tigers visits Don Staley and Aaliyah Boston's number one South Carolina at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. It is a fascinating women's college basketball matchup to bet on. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel 
official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Now back to our program. So now should we move to talking about Chicago? Yes, let's talk about Chicago. Um, this is actually my lowest grade of any team this offseason. I gave Chicago a D, just straight D. Um, I understand losing Candace Parker more of a, you know, wanting to go back home situation for her. Losing Courtney Vandersloot, wanting to play with Brianna Stewart. I get that. Still lost two really major players from your team a year ago. Lost Allie Quigley again, probably not in her <laughs> control. But all of these things add up. The one that really has to bite at Chicago is that they lost Azari Stevens. Now you thought you were going to lose Azari Stevens because she was going to be either priced out or not have a big enough role within Chicago. She chose to go to a team that hasn't made the playoffs for the last two years that already has Dierka Hamby, presumably Nako Gumake. I'm not sure how LA sold her as a better fit than the sky. And that's really where the lower grade came for me with the sky, because I like the Isabel Harrison signing. I like the um, Elizabeth Williams signing. I think Courtney Williams from one year, also a good deal. But when you lose all of that power and you couldn't retain Azari Stevens, that's why I think it's below average offseason for Chicago. I couldn't agree more. And I've lowered my grade because you've sold me. They went from a B minus to a C minus. And on my end, I think the reason why I'm giving them this lower grade now is because I was just looking at their cap sheet and just looking at the players and thinking, how does this all fit together? You have your star in Kalia Copper, and then you have all of these other role players. So is this about, usually when that happens, it's this idea of, oh, you think that some of these role players will get better and will elevate their ceiling. I mean, I think that's sort of what, excuse me, that's what Los Angeles is hoping with Azari Stevens. I mean, half the league was thinking that that's what's going to happen with Azari Stevens. With Chicago, I mean, how much potential, I mean, Izzy Harrison has shown really good spurts, but there were some other things that got in her way, maybe off court things that got in her way. Courtney Williams, I mean, she returned to her former self in the playoffs, but was not really herself during the regular season. She made a lot of very bad decisions on the court. And the Sky also don't have a point guard right now. I mean, I guess you could say they have Dana Evans, Mm -hmm. but she's still a very, I guess, a sophomoric type of point guard. And I just, I mean, I think it's very clear to me that the sky did not plan for this. And that's what makes me give them a lower grade. It's like when you're taking a test, it's like, okay, how do you study? You prep, you prep, you prep. And and this body of work shows me that there was not a lot of preparation for this mass exodus that happened. And, you know, I mean... I predicted that this was going to happen. I thought Azari was going to stay, but the the two big fish in Sloot and Candace, I very much so thought that was happening. And mm-hmm. I thought it was going to happen because of the lack of investment that the Chicago Sky has shown 
to its players over the years. And those are two stars that I'm sure, and they did, they looked around and were like, I deserve better. I want better. So the fact that there was not a contingency plan here and the fact that the sky don't look like they want to try to rebuild, like when we talk about Seattle, I'm a little bit kinder to them because they have actually folded at the poker table. They're like, okay, we know, we know what we have to do. The sky are in this like weird no man's land of like, okay, we lost all of our stars and our, our fans are really upset, but we have cause. So what are we going to do? I mean, James Wade, it, it's just him. He does not have other people in the front office to help him with the salary cap. And, and yeah, I, Talia I, Copper was joking at USA Basketball that she's the assistant GM. <laughs> I mean, not good. Not good. And, and then the fact that James Wade was at some like NBA development program coaching. Do you remember this? He was. It was last month, right? Yes. Yeah. That was very close to the time <laughs> of, okay, we got to get our ducks in a row to get ready to negotiate. I was shocked that he was doing that because it was so close to the negotiation period and so close to just a lot of this movement. And it's just mm-hmm. sort of like, well, where's the preparation here? So that's why they get a C minus. In addition to everything else you laid out, you did not prepare for the test. You didn't. Anyway, so that's the sky. Before we take a quick break, let's handle the Dallas Wings. How did they you do? Know, maybe we should have reordered this because these four teams require a lot of conversation. But <laughs> Dallas, <laughs> Dallas, probably the hardest team in this whole exercise for me to grade because on the one hand, John Quill Jones has to be traded. You're not getting John Quill Jones, but you somehow finagle your way into the second best player in that trade. That's cool. But then you've also taken on a lot more salary. And I kind of like Ty Harris more than Crystal Dangerfield. And I really liked Kayla Thornton and maybe even like Kayla Thornton as a fit better than Natasha Howard in terms of what you're building. So hard to process everything that happened there. Um, in terms of the Alicia Gray trade, I obviously was a big fan of it from Atlanta side. To get two first round picks for a player that has one year left on her deal and has definitely expressed that she doesn't want to stay. Good business. Win-win for both sides. I liked that quite a bit for Dallas. Um, I thought they gave McCowan maybe a smidge too much money, but I also think that she was really dominant for them offensively, and I liked how she was able to fit in at the end of the year. I hope that continues under Coach LC instead of, you know, the system that Vicky Johnson was running. So I kind of just went with a C, straight C, because, like, it was fine. You know, there's some things I like, some things I didn't. Uh, if they retain Marina Mabry at a good number, I'd be tempted to bump it up a little bit and – the fact that there are probably six teams in the league that have the money and could use Marina maybe right now makes me think that, you know, she's going to get a good offer, but who knows? Hasn't happened yet. So uh, I just went, yeah, straight C. Perfectly average off season for the Dallas Wings who are anything but average, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we agreed on this one. I gave them a C <laughs> as well. And I think what I continue to come back to is a column that Howard wrote. And it was from, I think it was the Women's Basketball Wednesday from the Nine, maybe a day or so after the Greg Bibb and Latricia Trammell press conference where they spoke about all of the moves. And 
I think what the point he rose, and mind you, I have mentioned this column on this podcast before, was that the Dallas Wings are basically betting on inefficiency, which is wild. Um, Why would you want to bet on inefficiency? Besides Tierra McCowan, of course. The most efficient, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, Tierra McCowan. Tierra McCowan was the reason why Sandy Brondello did not get coach of the month in August. Uh, Yeah, Uh, we see who still has their job now. But anyway, um, when you look at the rest of the roster, when you look at the players that they deem to be their big stars, besides Tierra McCowan, of course, Okay, so Arike, who is Miss Inefficient, that's just mm-hmm. her game. That's that's who she is. I mean, there's sort of this hope and wonder and maybe can she get more efficient. But I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Then you have Natasha Howard, who I covered for the past couple of years. And while LT is going to love how well she plays defensively, and she's going to love how she makes reads on help. She's a little inefficient offensively. Mm -hmm. Liberty tried to see, and this is exactly what the Sparks are going to do with Azari Stevens. They tried to see, okay, does this player's ceiling, is this higher? Is it higher? If she takes on a larger role, is this a budding star? Is this someone who could be in line with the Asia Wilson, Jonquil Jones, Stewies of the world. There, there was that idea that Natasha Howard could be because she put up a close to MVP season in 2019 and was defensive player of the year. Really good season. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But then as we saw in New York, listen, she had a good season last year. She was an all-star. She really helped that team make the run that they did. But I don't think that she is a number one option that gets you to a championship. I think she is a well above average role player. You know, she's a six woman of the year type, or at least that's how I see it. Or she's an all-star. Like just because you're an all-star doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're the number one option, yeah. And Dallas is paying super max contracts to two all-stars who I don't believe are number one options. Bingo. Bingo. And then there's Satu Sabali, who while her she's still on her rookie deal, she is the one who they are promoting. Like, she is one of their big superstars. And so it's sort of like, listen, I think Satu Sabali still has such a high ceiling I mean, obviously, I don't blame injuries on players, but I don't know. It's sort of like she's shown her best stuff in EuroLeague, and then her body just sort of wears down by the time she gets to the WNBA. I mean, that's sort of what's happened with her. And I can't blame her for that, but I just question with the wings, how much has she really proven for you? Yeah, and they're going to probably be moving her to the three for long stretches, you know, with McCowan and Howard available. And I'm not sure that that's her best position, especially because McCowan and Howard aren't exactly, I mean, Howard is more of a spacer, but like McCowan definitely occupies the paint. So, yeah, like I said, everything about Dallas is like very weird. 
And yet I just keep coming back to the fact that like, they just end up perfectly evening out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I will say I loved Crystal Dangerfield. I love that they got Crystal Dangerfield. I know you said that you thought Ty Harris is a better option, but I happen to believe that Crystal Dangerfield plays really well next to someone who is so ball dominant in Enrique. Mm -hmm. We saw how it worked with Sabrina. I also think Crystal Dangerfield is a really smart defender. I mean, I didn't watch enough of Ty Harris to know how good of a defender she was. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I watched a lot of Crystal Dangerfield and she is very good at picking up tendencies and executing them. Not always the most consistent, but she's a smart defender more often than not. Yeah, I just like Ty Harris's size a little bit better. You know, there's just a natural ceiling on what Crystal Dangerfield can do. Um, I'm also kind of excited that she gets to pair up again with Kiki Harrigan, Kiki Herbert Harrigan in Connecticut, you know, those former South Carolina guards. So that should be nice. Oh, that's by design. I mean, if yeah. anything, the Connecticut Sun have become the South Carolina Connecticut Sun because Darius Taylor, I mean, he knows those players. Yeah. That's also where he has been before. <laughs> anyway, so yes, we both give Dallas a C. We're both very confused <laughs> by Dallas. Um Although the one thing I think I am confident about is I do think Dallas is going to be better defensively this year. I think when you, when you add Latricia Trammell, it, it's bound to happen. I, I do think there is some chatter about, well, oh, the LT defense didn't come through when Liz Cambage was on the Sparks. You can obviously speak to that more than I can, but I think maybe McCowan is a, a different character. Ben Cambage? I don't know. I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, in our next segment, we will talk about uh, Indiana, LA, Las Vegas, and Minnesota. We will give those teams their grades. But first, let's talk about Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. That's about, hmm, well, think about it. You're only subscribed to a handful of services. You might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it all for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's get back to our program and take on the middle of the WNBA alphabet or city alphabet and 
we won't be going out of order this time because there have not been any trades. At least I don't think there have been any. Wrong league to be having trades today, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Sabrina, why don't you begin with the Indiana Fever? Yeah, so the Indiana Fever I have as a C+. Just, uh, you know, perfectly good offseason. Not a whole lot to do. I like the move, like I mentioned earlier, to bring in Christy Wallace, even if it comes at the cost of a nice little veteran caretaker and Danielle Robinson. I obviously like Maya Caldwell a lot. Uh, I'm a little confused by the money given to Erica Wheeler. Uh, a max contract for Erica Wheeler at this point in her career is uh, strange to me, especially for two years, but this is where we are. Um, not a super max, but a max, you know, um, two years of guaranteed money to Victoria Vivian's also a little strange to me. I don't know why that second year was necessary, but you know, in general, I'm going to really like Indiana's draft. I'm positive of that because they're going to get to leave Boston. Um, And I like the young players that they've brought in. So, you know, perfectly fine offseason. (laughs) Just just fine. (laughs) I also gave Indiana a C plus. I think the Fever have shown that they have a legitimate direction and they have a legitimate identity that they would like to uphold. And so I think in the moves they've made, getting Christy Wallace, um, signing Erica Wheeler, I mean, these are players that Christy Sides, their new head coach, loved working with. And these are players that very much so value defense above all. I mean, they came from the Atlanta dream, for goodness sake. That was a team that valued defense above Mm -hmm. all. And I think we sort of have to give the Indiana Fever a grain of salt in that this is really their year one. They finally have the coach they want. They're going to get the number one pick that is going to redefine or, you know, be their franchise player for years to come. And so I think when you do that, you don't try to make these franchise-altering moves, especially with the young players that they want to develop and they want to see what they have. Obviously, there's they have confidence in Destiny Henderson because they the Fever were confident enough to – or because they traded Daniel Robinson. But also, I mean, I think the Fever also have valued that a lot of their young players have stayed home in the offseason. And they have worked out on American soil. A lot of them plan on doing Athletes Unlimited. Melissa Smith, uh, Lexi Hall. I want to say, well, I don't know if Destiny Henderson for sure, but there was a Lynn Dunn tweet where Lynn was like, where's Destiny Henderson? She's supposed to be on that list. And so Lynn Dunn and Christy Sides have made it pretty clear that they really want their athletes to to stay home and, and work on their skills and develop their game rather than going overseas. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that approach transfers to the success of the franchise. But I think I'm actually going to up mine to a B minus because I forgot to include the hiring of Christy Sides, who I think is oh. a good young coach. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it just a little bit higher. Yeah. I will stay at C plus because mm-hmm. I mean, 
I think what brings it down a little bit for me is the uh, the Emma Cannon contract. Guaranteed money to these vets. Yeah. I mean, the guaranteed money has to go somewhere. But, you know, I, I mean, still am a little confused about the decision making there. <laughs> I mean, Victoria Vivians, I'm fine with her getting a protected deal. She's been very, I don't know if I want to use the word faithful or she's been... She's been committed to the organization and she has had a lot of bad luck. I mean, she was injured for, I mean, the first two or maybe three years of her career. And I thought she had a pretty good start to last season. Two years, though, I don't know about that. But um, and also the guaranteed contract to Emma Cannon. That's why keeping with the C plus. But I don't know, if we were doing this for the Tamika Catchings years, I probably would have given them a D minus. But anyway, yeah, C plus. So now the Los Angeles Sparks. I give them, I my- give them a straight A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, hired a good head coach in Kurt Miller. They got a general manager, which, uh, you know, is a role that really had not been occupied for the last few years in Los Angeles. So just... Great A-plus head start in terms of, you know, filling out the easy things that needed to be done. Um, they even have an assistant general manager now, which, like, wow, what a, what a delightful thing, you know, multiple people working in the front office. And then I think their signings have been, like, fairly unimpeachable, right? I mentioned Azaray Stevens earlier. I think that's a big get for L.A. I thought the trade to get Jasmine Thomas, really good value to pick up a first-round pick. The trade to get De'Erica Hamby, additionally good value to get another first-round pick. Um, they signed Steph Talbot, who I adore. I mean, um, if any of you have ever listened to The Step Through, a, a YouTube show that I occasionally host with Evan Gualberto, uh, big, big Steph Talbot believers, the both of us. And I think Lexi, Ta- Lexi Brown, also a good signing, you know, just to come back. So, I mean, I wonder a little bit about the point guard position. You know, they've brought in Leisha Clarenton and Jordan Canada on a training camp contract. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be keeping Jordan Canada. So I don't really know you know what that means like there still has to be room for a first round pick at some point and presumably both the Agumakes are coming back but I basically like every single one of their signings I like the direction of the front office I just I don't really have any faults here <laughs> like I don't I don't think I'm trying to be a homer I think this is just a qualitatively good offseason <laughs> so yeah a great I gave them an A minus and the only reason I gave them an A minus was because I'm very confused by the point guard situation Essentially, you have three point guards that are going to be at camp who or Yeah, I mean, there is not a combo guard in sight here. I think Jazz I is kind of a combo guard, but yeah, I can see that. I, I just, in, in the modern WNBA, you need to have combo guards. They are the future of the league. I mean, I think Lasia can sort of be a little off the ball. But I feel like it's sort of what you get from Jasmine Thomas. Like, Lasia and Jasmine Thomas, when they're open, they can shoot and they can make those threes. But they can't – I don't see a lot of movement off the ball from them. But that's – I'm just a little confused by that. Jordan Canada, as we know, excellent, excellent defender, but has been a spacing problem for a few years. And it's sort of this idea of, okay, well, can she develop? Can she get a three-point shot? Can she be a most improved player? 
And no, I, I think the Sparks are just banking on the fact that if you put Jordan Canada next to Lexi Brown, Steph Talbot, Katie Lou Samuelson, and Azaria Stevens, well, it doesn't really matter that she can't shoot now because everybody else can. Right. So then, okay, so my question for you then is, what exactly can you do when you have three point guards on roster, unless you don't think that Lasia Clarendon has a chance of making the team? Or do you think that Jasmine Thomas might not be ready for opening day and they might need a hardship? My guess is that this is a, you know, minutes management for Jasmine Thomas. Like, even if she is ready for opening night, she should not be playing the kind of minutes that Kurt Miller was playing her in Connecticut, just coming off of a torn ACL, right? So you have the insurance in terms of Lasia and or Jordan Canada, whoever, you know, happens to make the roster. Big elephant in the room here, Kennedy Carter, who, as Kurt Miller reminded us, is under contract. So... You know, that's a combo guard if the Sparks decide to use her. Um, But yeah, I I think just they're probably going to use their bigs a little bit more as playmaking hubs. And, you know, D.R. Kahambi has spoken about, like, being able to expand what she's allowed to do on the court, you know, based on what Kurt Miller has talked to her about. So I think just not necessarily being a perimeter-driven offense, like it's going to come from the bigs from the front court a little bit, and that's what Kurt Miller likes to do, right? So it's a... It's an offense that like suits him in the sense that there's so much talent in the front court, but then also has the spacing to like make it more modern, right? Oh yes, there's shooting. It's not like we're we're questioning where the shooting is. Yeah, Steph Talbot, Lexi Brown, that is shooting. There is Katie Lou. Yeah, she's still there. Oh my God, yes, Katie Lou. That is that is shooting. When it comes to Kennedy Carter, that could be another person that is packaged in one of these potential trades. Mm-hmm. We will see. I think it's it's very clear yeah. that that could happen. I think it's fair to say that most of these teams, a lot of these teams that we've spoken about are not done yet. Correct. This was our part one of both Sabrina and my free agency grades here at Locked On Women's Basketball. The last six teams will be graded during our show on Tuesday. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Join us tomorrow where Hunter Cruz and M. Adler are back with our Saturday WNBA draft-themed show. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. Have a great weekend. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.